All right, welcome back to the fourth episode of the Speak Podcast. I'm your host, PJ La Barbera, and as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Your support is what makes this platform what it is. Your support is what's going to help break the stigma. And so, as always, thank you very much for listening. Today, we have a very special guest. Her name is Colby Carson. She played Division I soccer at both Pepperdine and Cal Poly. And this is pretty unique for what we've done so far. Um, Colby doesn't struggle on a day-to-day basis with mental health issues. However, her experiences within sports still challenged her mental health. Um, This is a great example that just goes to show you, you know, you don't have to be susceptible to mental health illness in your average everyday life to be um, challenged and affected um, by what happens in your athletic career. Um, everybody goes through something. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter if you struggle outside of sports. Um, things can happen within sports and within that arena and within that um, environment that will challenge you. Uh, briefly, I want to apologize for not having an episode last week. We were supposed to bring on somebody I was very excited about, um, but due to some uh, restrictions that comes along with him being a minor league soccer player. We were not an a- we were not able to bring him on and he had to cancel at the last minute. Hopefully we'll be able to have him on at some point in the future, but for now, I'm going to introduce you to Colby and we're going to get on with this week. All righty. Um okay, and we're live. I'm joined here by my good friend Colby Carson, a former Division 1 soccer player. Um Colby, thank you so much for coming, being on and, you know, giving your support to this platform. Of course, I'm definitely excited to kind of share my story. Yeah, awesome. So let's just get right into it. Um, you played soccer, well, you did play soccer your whole life, your entire upbringing. It was, mm-hmm. you know, something that you formed your identity in as uh, as an adolescent, just like I did with football and baseball. So just talk about that, what soccer means to you, what it was like to grow up playing that sport. Yeah, I mean, I started playing soccer at the age of six. Um time I turned 11, it kind of came down to picking what sport I was going to continue with. Um, I played softball at the same time as swimming. Uh, Soccer was definitely what I loved most. And so when you play competitive soccer, you can't really choose another sport and play both. So I joined what was called the Chili Peppers. Uh, We made that team name when we were 10 years old, but it stuck (laughs) with us for 10 years. So always kind of a little embarrassing to have that name when you're an 18 year old now saying go chili peppers. Um, <laughs> but I was on that team for years. Um, that was my family to me. Um, I stayed with that team through thick and thin. We were down to 10 players once. Um, oh, wow. that was, yeah. So we, we definitely went through ups and downs, but we won state championships. Um, I loved it. I, like I said, my teammates were my best friends. Um, so I definitely had a good mix in life, but I committed a lot of my time to soccer. Most of my weekends were soccer tournaments. Um, it was fun though, to travel with your team. Um, I would say a lot of my vacations were stemmed from a soccer trip and then we extended a few days. So if I had a soccer tournament, San Diego, after that, my parents would extend it. So give us a little free vacation time. Um, so I also played high school soccer at Valley Christian. And once again, like the girls on that team, like they became my best friends as well. So that's one thing I've loved about soccer is it's so much fun and it's so competitive, but you just, you're surrounded by great people and you get to really build relationships with them. So I know I sacrificed a lot of 
I, I had to miss a lot of birthday parties growing up and little things like that, but it was definitely all worth it because I had such a great time. Yeah. But so, so of, then you say prior to, prior to your college experience, you had, I mean, all positive experiences with the sport, it like shaped you. It definitely did. I mean, I looked forward to soccer season, like high school when that, when it would come around. Because like I said, like high school season was just like, you got to play in the stadium. Yeah. We always did team dinners. Like the atmosphere was just always amazing. Um, so I would say in high school, I never really came across like hard times. Like I said, looking back, I would sometimes get mad at my parents for making me miss a birthday party because they're like, no, your coach signed you guys up for another soccer tournament. It was like little things that were so petty that I was like, come on, I want to go to this. Or prom, I showed up late because I had a soccer game that day and I had to rush all the way home, get ready, change, and kind of left my date a little high and dry for pictures. But <laughs> so there was definitely times, little things I had to sacrifice, but nothing that was really too mentally draining at the time because I just really yeah. enjoyed it. Like my parents definitely made it a fun time for me. My dad coached me in high school soccer. So I really got to just enjoy the time I, I, I spent playing soccer. Yeah. So then let's talk a little bit about moving past high school and your decision to play first at Pepperdine. Um, what was that like the whole recruitment process and then moving into your freshman year, you know, coming into a program where unlike your, your entire experience up to that point yeah. was, uh, you know, a family and somebody, people that you were comfortable with. So what was that whole transition like starting from the recruitment process? I mean, definitely. It was never like, I remember my parents kind of asked me like, you want to play college soccer, right? And I was always just like, yeah, I always kind of thought that was just the next step. Like I would never wanted to be like, oh, soccer ends right after high school. Like, no. Yeah. So we did a lot of tournaments. I had a lot of coaches after every tournament kind of reach out. And then obviously I'd get on a phone call, learn a little bit more about the school. One thing I realized looking back, though, is when you're a high schooler, when you're like, let's say I had my first call at sophomore year, they're allowed to call you and actually reach out. I didn't know crap about colleges. Like <laughs> I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was a homesick yeah. child. I was the girl that could not spend the night at her friend's house. So thinking of going away from home scared me half to death. Um, but it was awesome because after every tournament, like I said, I always got to kind of talk to these coaches that were like, telling me we want you to come play for us. And so my parents did their due diligence. Um, they definitely took me to a lot of campuses where I got to kind of see the fields, the schools and learn as much as I can. So I was actually committed to UPenn at first. My I committed my sophomore year. It wasn't until my senior year that I actually decommitted. I kind of panicked. Um, the school <laughs> was all the way in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I was like, on my flight home, I was like, I felt so like alone and isolated. I was like, if I want to go home, I have to get on a flight for five hours, like kind of hit that panic stage. And I also was looking at Pepperdine and that coach, since I was a sophomore too, told me your spot's not going anywhere. Um, you ever change your mind or anything, you give me a call. And that's exactly what I did my senior year. Um, Pepperdine was in Malibu. So I was like, wow. That's a great area. I'd love to play soccer in some nice weather. And they were also at the time ranked eighth in the nation. And I, being so competitive, wanted to be on a team team that had a chance to win a national championship. So ultimately, I chose to go with Pepperdine. I would say I watched a lot of my friends during their, I think it's their junior year, apply for so many schools, write so many letters. That yeah. was the one plus where I was like, my resume is soccer. 
And when it came to like filling out my application for Pepperdine, I knew they were just waving it because I was playing soccer. So when it came to college applications, I never had to put in an effort. So I will say that is the one great thing. Um, <laughs> so I was very happy with that. But no, when I first came to Pepperdine, I was scared out of my mind. I would say on that orientation day where I got to meet my new teammates, got to meet my coaches, the parents said goodbye to us. I was so scared. I was, yeah. like I said, like freshman year, sophomore year, I was kind of like that homesick child. I was on the same soccer team for 10 years. And like I said, I stayed with them through ups and downs. It's because I don't like change. I was always like very, put my heart forward into a team and Chili Peppers was where my heart was. So coming on the <laughs> Pepperdine team, it was weird. It was, I had yeah. to learn how a new coach saw me. It, I had to build relationships with these teammates I didn't even know. And, you know, at that time, when you play in high school, I guess there's an age difference, but your senior year, you kind of feel like you're on top of the world. You're the old one on the team. And then you go into yeah. college where you realize these players are just as good of you, if not better, because you're the little freshman. Um, so it definitely is, is a big change. And I would say my freshman year, I was so nervous that I swear they'd pass me the ball and I felt like I would trip over the ball. I was just like, yeah. oh my goodness, the pace was different. Everything was. And so getting over it mentally that like you're in college soccer now was tough. Like yeah. it was a big change. So how did that, how did that, the adjustment during your freshman year affect like off the field stuff? Did you feel kind of that stress all day, even when you weren't in soccer meetings or on the soccer pitch? Like, what was it like? It was definitely tough. I would say I was always panicked that I would miss a practice by mistake or yeah. I would disappoint my coach. Like I literally remember one story where I fell asleep. I woke up in a panic and I looked at my roommate and woke her up and I was like, oh my God, I think we missed practice. And she's like, Colby, it's 2 p.m. We had practice at 8 a.m. today. You didn't miss practice. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, thank God. Okay. I was just, I was panicked because I did not want to disappoint the seniors on the team. One thing about Pepperdine is if you join that team, they are all in the mindset of you better give us your all and put everything into it because we want to be champions. And I loved that mindset. But yeah. with that mindset came a lot of stress of, I don't want to let the team down. So I would definitely say I was stressed. I didn't want to play bad. I also had my coach trying to teach me new things, new techniques. And it was definitely a struggle. I did my old coach that I played with for years knew how to coach me. Whereas yeah. this coach, a lot of what he would say and teach me, I didn't resonate with. So it was also trying to build a new relationship with a new coach. And it was stressful. And I think that kind of led onto the field where I would get into the game and I'd be so scared to disappoint that I wouldn't play good. I was mentally yeah. a, like a wreck when I would go out there. And it took me a long time. I would say until my sophomore year to be like, I don't care what other people think. I'm going to go back to playing how I play. Yeah. And that's actually really impressive that that only took a year. I mean, I know from personal experience, it took me well into my junior year after playing all of my sophomore year to finally be like, fuck yeah. it. Like, I'm <laughs> like, I know that I can play like half the yeah. sophomore everybody You're else. Like, I know I'm better than this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, I mean, I feel like that's like a lot a lot of athletes go through that same thing where mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're unsure of yourself for the first time in however long. And it's weird. Um, it, it's very weird. But you know, you got past it. And then sophomore year, you were a starter, correct? 
Yeah. So sophomore year, I definitely, I worked my way. To, I, I just, like I said, I think a lot of it was just my confidence came back and I just was playing more like me again. I didn't feel like I needed to prove myself anymore. I also, that after soccer season, my freshman year, like I really got to actually bond with the girls outside of soccer because when you first come in your freshman year, the first thing you do is practices. School hasn't even started everything. Soccer, soccer, soccer. But I think after the season, I really got to build a relationship with my teammates. So I wasn't so nervous of them anymore. And it made me feel comfortable enough to go out there and just play my game. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely became a starter. But unfortunately, I started to feel knee pain and things started going downhill from there. I was told by my trainer that I was only allowed to play. I think it was, it was supposed to be 10 minutes a half. My coach made it 20 minutes a half. Um, <laughs> So obviously they, I just kind of came in towards uh, the end of each half. Um, so yeah, yeah. It, it sucked. It, it definitely sucked. Like I'm a prideful person and I wanted to be a starter. And so when I got that and felt like I got it taken away from my injury, I was, I was pretty pissed off. <laughs> what did it feel like to have your coaches kind of neglect what the trainers were saying and pushing you harder than maybe you needed to be with the injury? I would say that was the toughest part throughout the entire season because I never felt like my coaches understood how much pain I was actually in and what I was playing through. It actually started in preseason when I started feeling knee pain and I would tell my coach and she'd be like, Oh, it's just the weather right now. Everyone's knees hurts in the morning. And I'm like, Oh yeah, you're right. Like that's okay. Started getting worse and worse. Um, it got to the point where I told my trainer, my trainer just told me take ibuprofen breakfast, lunch, and dinner for every, every day. And I continued, I did that throughout the entire season. Um, yeah. Like I said, it got worse and worse. And I kind of tried telling my coaches, I'm like, I think I just need like rest. But as we kind of got into season, we were just doing so well that everything was just about like winning, winning, winning. And so, and like I said, I was still injured, but I was playing fairly well enough to still be a starter. Um, but it did start to irritate me because it got to the point where my other knee started hurting and I went to the doctor and the doctor told me, he said, you have my mitochondrial, what was it called? I haven't even, I cannot even remember the name of it anymore. It's pretty much where your knee's grinding and you're losing your cartilage, um, oh, cartilage okay. in your knee nice. doesn't grow back. Um, yeah. so the doctor, I, I was realistic with him and I asked him, I'm like, okay, what's going to happen to me in 10 years? Am I going to be like needing knee replacement? He goes, well, you're not going to have cartilage and you can keep this up. And so I told my trainer and my trainer told my coach, like, you can't play her that much. And he was not happy. And it was, I remember that conversation. It was me, him and the trainer. And it almost seemed like the trainer was scared of my coach. And yeah. when it came to the game time, the part that I think was disappointing was I remember it was like towards the end of season and by this time my knees were so shot even after practice I couldn't bend my knee past 90 I allowed the them to inject my knee with something similar to steroids so I was doing whatever I could to just be able to push through but when my coach like looked at me one game and he goes can you give us just 10 more minutes like go back out there and I was like hoping the trainer would kind of stand up for me because yeah. obviously I don't want to disappoint my coach. And if my coach is asking, I should do it. And that was my mentality. But I was hoping the trainer would overrule him and kind of be the, the no. And the trainer just looked at me and goes, well, it's up to you. But like the doctor said, you're losing cartilage. And it just sucked to then feel like she's giving me the option, but also telling me that you're losing cartilage in your knee. So yeah. at that point, I was hoping that it wouldn't be my decision. But 
being the player and feeling like my responsibility is to play for this team, I went in and played. And that was kind of my mentality throughout the season um, was just to push through. My coach told me, he goes, just push through and we'll give you spring season off. And that was kind of where I was at. And, and some of it was my fault too. Like, like I said, I wanted to be, a, I wanted to be on the field contributing when we, and if we were to win a national championship. So I would say there was times when I was at my own fault. Um, but looking back, I wish the trainer just told me, Colby, you can barely run step yeah. out. And I never got that. And that is what ended up resulting in the downfall of soccer for me because I did not I was not able to recover from all the injuries that I got that season and it sucks looking back looking back like that must I mean you're 19 20 years old like that must have been a lot to handle just like period just as a person you know the the conflicting messages you were getting and the pushing and the pulling especially when I mean the most important person to you as a college athlete is your coach So Mm -hmm. I feel like it must have been horrible to feel like he, she, I don't know, was disappointed that you were hurt. Like I know from personal experience, I constantly felt that whenever I was hurt, whether my coach expressed it or not, I felt like I was letting down my team and Mm -hmm. my coach, even though there's nothing you can do about it. Like you tore your labrum, you have a messed up knee. Um, Was it tough for you to kind of deal with that all? It was definitely tough. Um, it also, a lot of the comments my coach started making really got under my skin because I felt like I was grinding through and playing through a lot of pain that I think he just didn't realize I was playing through or didn't care to acknowledge. Um, he would make jokes today and be like, how's grandma doing? And just like pretty much insinuating I'm grandma because I yeah. can barely walk anymore. Um, and so that, that kind of became hard. We did this, like we used to do mental training and one of them was, you had, you had to go around and say the first thing that came to your head regarding soccer. And my first word was tiring. And I didn't even mean to say that. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like, it's just really what came to my head. And later that day he came up to me and he goes, are you ready to call it quits then? And anytime you tell, I think an athlete, are you ready to call it quits? Yeah. And you know, that person well enough to know that they're a D one athlete. Like they're not a quitter. Like they've obviously been grinding their entire life to get to where they're at today. And so to be told that if I stop, I'm a quitter really sucked. And so I told him, I was like, no, I'm sorry. Like I meant tiring as in like just a lot with school and soccer right now. Like I didn't mean that towards anything else other than that. And I think looking back comments like that was rude. And I wish I had a coach that didn't make me feel like a quitter if I needed to stop. And I would say the toughest part too was I didn't have a torn ACL or something where I literally had to go in for surgery and it showed I had a cast on. Like it was also hard for my teammates, I think for them to understand too, because my coach still had me playing. I was excused from all physical activity in terms of like doing sprints at practice. I was told like you can step out at any point in the practice, but I was never told you couldn't practice. Like I still every day had to go and play until I couldn't run pretty much. Yeah. Um, and I know that sounds weird and like, Oh, you're being overdramatic, but that was actually the case. It was yeah. literally go out there and run till you couldn't. I was excused from Thursday practice because that was the day before the game and my knee would be too swollen to play in a Friday's game if I practiced the day before. But the problem was my players or my teammates still saw me in the games playing, even though I was like limping half the time. 
in their eyes, it was like, well, if the coaches still have you playing, then you must not be as hurt as you're trying to say you are. And so that also kind of became an issue with teammates that I wasn't as close with. My like roommate, of course, kind of saw me throughout the entire day, saw that I'm not kidding. Like I was limping just to get to classes. Going downstairs was absolutely horrible because my knees didn't bend that well. Um, So that also put a strain on my relationship with some of my teammates. I felt like I felt very disconnected from the ones that I thought was second guessing whether I was faking it or not. So that also caused a little bit of um, issues there, I would say. So that was definitely difficult for me. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, yeah, that's, that's really, really horrible. And like I said, a lot for, you know, somebody so young to go through, I can't even imagine. So you got past that after season your injuries were confirmed to be pretty serious by your doctor. Yeah. So I never threw out season. Like they wouldn't give me an MRI. Um, They just said they'd set it up for me when I, after season, after season, my trainer never actually set it up. And I did tell her, I was like, Hey, my hip's starting to hurt. And we bring a doctor Mm -hmm. on site. I think it's like once a week or so you can see the doctor. So I told the doctor. Yeah. So I told the doctor in that meeting, I said, Hey, like my hip is really hurting me. And the trainer's in there with me and the trainer looks at the doctor and goes, there can't be anything wrong. We've already completely eliminated most of her playing time. So I felt like the doctor then kind of looked at me and goes, you know, Colby, like, let's focus on working on your knees first. Maybe that will heal your hip problem. And so once again, they didn't really look into it for me. So when I went home over Christmas break, I told my mom, I was like, hey, I'm still in some serious pain right now. And she took me to see my old doctor that I went to anytime I kind of got an injury here and there. Um, and he looked at me without doing anything. And he goes, you look like you're in horrible condition. He goes, just looking at your knees right now, I can tell you I'm going to find something wrong. And he did an MRI on both my knees. And I told him and I said, hey, my hip hurts me too. Can you look into that? And he goes, yeah, let's give you an MRI on that as well. And when he came back and I came back the following few days, He told me I had extreme tendonitis in both my knees. I had a chipped bone in my knee. I have Osgood slaughter and that had chipped off. So that was grinding into my tendon. I had, I think it's called chondromalacia. That's what it is. Um, In one of the knees, that's the one where I'm losing the cartilage. And then I also had a fractured hip that I was playing through. Um, So he looked at me and he's like, you were one bad step away from breaking your entire hip bone. He said oh that, like, gosh. he described it as, like, people can get a fracture on, like, the inside or outside of their hip, and I had it on the most stressful part. So he just told me, he goes, that's unacceptable. And so I told my trainer, who gave me exercises, boot exercises over Christmas break to do, right when I told her, she goes, oh, don't do those boot exercises then if you have a fractured hip, and she apologized. And I'm like, are you kidding me? If I would have kept doing those exercises, would I have really fractured, like, actually completely broken my hip? Yeah. So it's... So I was pretty mad um, at that time. I, I didn't know how serious this injury was going to be because I ended up getting something called CRIPS, complex regional pain syndrome that took months before my doctor diagnosed it with me. So at that time, I was just like, okay, whatever. They figured it out. My coach said I'd have spring season off. So I was more in the mentality of, okay, let's like, I need to recover so I can also go back my junior year and try to have a killer season. So that was kind of my mentality at yeah. that point. I was mad with my coach, but I was also just like, whatever, it's done and over with. Yeah. Great season. I'm going to recover. And that ended up not being the case. Um, the first meeting back after Christmas break, we had the team together. My teammate, my other teammate was on crutches too. And he looked at 
the team and he said, Hey guys, I've postponed some of our spring games. I I just think by April we'll have Colby and Riley back. And right when he said that, I was just like, once again, I was, I felt like he was downgrading my injury. I'm like, I just had hip surgery and got a screw yeah. put in that way. My recovery would be faster. Um, so after that, I knew that if I experienced any pain next year, I could not play for him anymore as I just soccer is only going to last with me through college. And after that, like when I'm older, I still want to be able to run around with my kids. And that was yeah. a tough decision I had to make, but I knew that if I continued at Pepperdine with the coach that he might grind me, um, because he wants to win and, and I get it, but not at my expense. And that's yeah. what made me look at transferring schools and contacted the Cal Poly coach. And he knew I was injured coming into it. And, he took me and my roommate. She actually left with me. She was on the soccer team as well. Um, she had a very similar experience, but she had a different kind of injury and she felt the same way I did. And uh -huh. we both left. So it was actually interesting. She's my best friend since we roomed together, everything. Our coach used to say, Com or what is it? Uh, misery loves company is the way he described us because we both left. Jesus, that's horrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, looking back, it's kind of funny, I guess. I'm like, yeah. okay. But we, we transferred to Cal Poly, and so that was kind of the end of my Pepperdine career there. I, I loved my friends, loved my teammates, but I really did have to kind of think of myself. And, and to be honest, I wasn't a big fan of Pepperdine. Um, I Every time I'd visit my sister who lived in San Luis Obispo, I fell in love with San Luis Obispo. I was like, yeah. I got to be here. So that was yeah. also a huge motivating factor for me to get it out. Gotcha. So you go to Cal Poly, but then, you know, you still struggle with these injuries, what was that whole junior year at Cal Poly like where you kind of realized like, oh shit, like this isn't going to work. Yeah. Yeah. So the entire summer I spent doing rehab back at home with the same doctor that diagnosed me and he couldn't really figure out why over the weeks I wasn't showing any improvement and why I was still in so much pain. Um, I mean, I was, I actually had my wisdom teeth pulled out. And I still had that <laughs> whole thing of oxy, I don't even know, no, uh, hydrocodone. Oh, hydrocodone. No, but it was the hydro, yeah. so it's not as bad as the oxy. And I mean, I would take that stuff without people knowing because I was in so much pain 24-7. Like the pain would wake me up in the middle of the night. And it wasn't until months after that I finally, I was in there with my doctor and he made a comment that made me realize he doesn't realize that I'm not in pain after my rehab. I'm in pain 24-7. And he goes, wait, what do you mean you're in pain 24 seven? And I told him, I was like, if I'm not on ibuprofen or taking anything, I'm in, I can barely walk. Like the pain shoots from my hips down to my ankle. And that's when he decided to do the bone scans and do all of that. Mm -hmm. And like I said, we did tons of testing, tons of, he was trying to figure it out. And it wasn't until actually Cal Poly season already started. I told the coach I was still injured, thought he was going to be so pissed at me. I'm like a new person coming in, told him I'd be ready by season. I wasn't. He was so nice about it. He said, you know what? Come play for me, obviously, but let's get you through rehab and finish that before you try to play. And he was very cool. So they continued my rehab at Cal Poly. And then finally, my doctor sat me down and told me, he goes, the only thing I can diagnose you with is com complex regional pain syndrome. He goes, everything you have aligns with this. Um, and I asked him, I was like, well, when do I get better? Like, how long does this take? And he goes, to be honest, like, it's one of those things where you may never get better, but because you're younger, you have a good shot at fighting it. And so what complex regional pain syndrome is, it's kind of like the stories you hear when someone loses their arm and they still feel like it's there. Yeah. Um, so 
So it's, it's kind of a thing where you have a dysfunctional nervous system and your brain isn't responding correctly. So my brain thought that I was still injured. And so it was sending pain signals from my hip down to my ankle 24 seven. So if I wasn't taking my medicine, I would wake up in the middle of the night. So I had to take my medicine every five hours, five to six hours the first year. So I never slept through the night for an entire year. I woke up in pain and then I would sit on my social media for 30 minutes waiting for the medicine to kick in for me to finally be able to fall back to sleep. So that was kind of my first year, the second year kind of coming into having Crips. Um, I could go a little longer. I could go about seven, maybe eight hours, but that's me pushing it and kind of starting to like feel yeah. some pain. I, I would try to always see how long I could go without it, but it's never too long. But yeah, I mean, that was tough as well too, because I was playing for a new team and well, I wouldn't say playing, I was doing rehab, but still going all the practices, sitting on the sidelines type of thing. And over the course of my junior year, when I saw people get hurt and then they'd go do their exercises and get better, Seeing people like come in injured, leave all when I'm still in rehab the entire time, never yeah. getting my opportunity to go back mentally, like that became extremely tough because I wanted to play soccer. These girls, to me also, like I felt like I didn't even get to show who I was or how I played. And I just kind of felt like the new girl on the team that is the injured girl never like, so it was definitely really mentally tough for me there. It sucked coming into the locker room every single time seeing jerseys hung up for the people that could play. And there's my empty locker because I knew there was no shot of me playing that game. And so I would say by the end of my junior year, it got to the point where I would come into the locker room and it was really tough for me not to just want to cry because yeah. I was pissed and I was angry that I hadn't beaten Crips yet. And my doctor said, if you work hard, that maybe your brain will go back to realizing that you're fine and you're not injured. Um, and unfortunately it didn't my junior year. And so I was going into my senior year and I was like, you know what, then I'm going to spend my last year and just be a normal college kid. I don't want like to not play soccer, but yet have all the restrictions of you can't party within 24 hours and all these different rules. I'm like, I'd rather just go out and hang out with my friends and not feel the pressure of soccer. Cause it's not like I can play. So yeah. I told my coach, I finally, I had, I was having too many like breakdowns at home and I told him what was going on. And he literally was the most, nicest human ever he looked at me and he goes Colby I am so glad I met you you've been loaded a bag of shit and I am so sorry and he goes you take all the time you need you do whatever you want um just know that I'm always here and you're always a member of this team um so he was the nicest guy about it and it was exactly what I needed I needed a coach to finally just look at me as a human that's been struggling these past year and a half to just mm -hmm. make me feel like me leaving and telling him I'm just need a break to not give me crap about it. And he didn't. And I never got to play a single game for that man. And he treated me no different than the rest of his teammates or his, I guess, his players. Yeah. Um, I was like teammates, players. I'm like, what am I to him? <laughs> um, so that was awesome. I definitely did go home that day. And that was probably one of the toughest days I've ever faced. It was, yeah. it was weird. I threw in the towel and I just remember I cried myself to sleep. Some of my teammates came over after and just dropped me off. There was like little candles and things and just like gave me a hug. And mm -hmm. I think they knew that like it, it was tough and it was weird. It was very weird. Um, and I was very sad. And I think the coolest part is the coach actually a few days later called me and goes, Hey, I was thinking about it. Like, I love the input you have. I think you're, you're, you're very 
soccer smart, you see the field well. So I definitely always spoke up at practices when it came to kind of going over game tape and strategies and lineups and things. And yeah. I always definitely expressed my opinion because I obviously couldn't show it on the field because it wasn't allowed to play. Um, yeah. And so he actually said, he goes, I'd love to have you on as a volunteer coach. You can also coach the non-travelers when I have to take them. So that was definitely huge that he like trusted me also to do that. And mm -hmm. at first I told him, no, I, I didn't want to be the girl that my play, my teammates have never even seen play. So they don't know, like, what does she know about soccer? And I also didn't want to come in and then be their coach all of a sudden. Uh, so I told him no. And I also just, I didn't want anything to do with soccer at that time. I was so yeah. heartbroken and. I was like, if I'm going to break away from soccer, I'm going to break away completely. And that's kind of what I did. And I went home that summer, came back and he like texted me. He goes, Hey, can we please talk? And he had me come meet him at his house on his pat on his porch. And I remember he was just sitting there reading a book and he just kind of started talking to me about it and said, I'd love for you to do this. I think it would be great for you to still stay connected. And so I did. And it was actually awesome. It kind of, it was weird because knowing that I wasn't on the team anymore as like the player, it didn't make me always feel like this like hope of like, Oh, I'm going to play. It's like, I knew my role. My new role was to kind of coach. And so he always asked my input. So it was awesome in that sense. Obviously deep down, I was still wishing I was out there playing, but yeah, it was a, a cool opportunity. And I honestly loved because I felt like I lost my identity. It was cool that I felt like someone like him who's never seen me play knew just by the way I talked about soccer that I knew what I was talking about. And the fact that he brought me on as his volunteer assistant coach kind of made me feel like I was valued and yeah. I loved that. So as, as a coach, like I, I think he was amazing when it came to that. So that, that yeah. definitely helped me. And that also is the reason why I started coaching at the slow high school and got to coach high school soccer. And so it was definitely cool. It opened the doors to soccer again for me when I wanted nothing to do with it after I quit. Yeah. Like, I wanted absolutely nothing. I was so heartbroken. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's something that I've been trying really hard to kind of highlight on here and through this is the importance of having like a support system that sees you as a human being, like mm -hmm. before you're a player. And I mean, it, from what it sounds like, it sounds like you did not have that at Pepperdine and that it made a huge, huge difference having that through your teammates and especially through your coach at Cal Poly. And I mean, it probably would have been so much harder if you'd have, if you would have had a coach at Cal Poly, like you did at Pepperdine, especially when, you know, you finally had to hang up your cleats and you were going through this more yeah. or less identity crisis. I mean, having a sports system must've been, it sounds like it was massive, like just absolutely invaluable. Yeah, I would definitely say I had a great support system. I also outside of soccer just had amazing friends. I've always mm -hmm. been one to surround myself by amazing people and, I think it was funny because my Cal Poly friends never knew me as an athlete. So we would go and we'd kind of do some activities and they'd be like, Hey, you're kind of athletic. And I'm like, it, that <laughs> really hit me. And I'm like, I used to be a D1 athlete. Like I was yeah. athletic, but it's funny because like my Pepperdine friends and my high school friends all would introduce me as this is Colby. She's a soccer player. She's super athletic, but it's funny because my Cal Poly friends outside of soccer, they knew nothing about me when it came to sports. So yeah. In a way, like it was kind of cool to just be like, I don't know, I really did feel like I was trying to build a new identity. And I was just like, how do I build an identity without soccer? Like soccer always was the way that I was even introduced, like the soccer player. This is cool. Yeah. Like, it was just very weird. But at times, it was also very sad for me, because I always did resonate with that identity. That's where I felt I was best. Like, 
I literally did sit down once. I'm like, what's my identity? I'm like, I mean, I get good grades in school, but I'm not like the smart kid, like not like yeah. everyone getting excellent grades. I'm not, there's nothing else about me that like makes me feel like I am like great at something. So that was definitely really tough for me to get yeah. to that. <laughs> well, thank God you came through it. And thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. I always end interviews the same way. I ask the person that I'm talking to, to if you were to talk to your younger self or somebody that's going through something like this, just give them a word of advice, word of encouragement or something that really helped you. And then we'll be done. Yeah. I mean, if obviously I, if I could go back to my freshman year, I would, or my, I guess my sophomore year, I would tell myself to stand up for myself. I wouldn't, yeah. when it comes to your body and you're the one out there on the line grinding away and you're feeling pain, don't let anyone tell you to push through or do whatever. Like it's up to you. Like, you know, the pain you're experiencing. So don't feel like you owe it to anyone to push through. I would say like, you know, I, I want to be the mom, like I said, that runs around with her kids. And so ultimately it was thinking ahead, knowing that if I want to do that, I got to make a decision here. Mm -hmm. So I would just say, I wish I made that decision my sophomore year. And instead when it was my junior year and I didn't have the choice, like, I, I mean, as much as I say I quit or I gave up, I really didn't have the choice. Like still yeah. wasn't going to be able to play if I stayed on the team. So yeah. I just wish that looking back, I took control. Got it. Well, Colby, thank you so much for coming on. You're amazing. And your story is incredible. Um, and you are the reason that this exists. This platform exists. People like you. So thank you so much. Once no, again. I, I love what you're doing, which is why I definitely wanted to come on and speak. Um, so I hope you get more people to come on and speak for sure, because I think it is a huge issue. Me too. Thank you so much, Colby. Awesome. All right. Bye. Good to talk to you. All right. Well, that concludes the fourth episode of the speak podcast thank you so much to everybody who tuned in and listened i think that this was a really important one i mean it shows that even people who don't struggle with anxiety or depression on a day-to-day -day basis can really be affected by things that happen um whether it be coaches or or circumstances that put you in a tough position um and then i, I really like how she highlighted how difficult it is to change your identity once you when you've grown up playing a certain sport, when you've been introduced as as Colby, the soccer player, PJ, the football player, DeMarte, the football player, DeMarte touched on that too in his. Um, creating a new identity is tough. I'm going through it right now, and it's not the easiest thing in the world. So thank you again, Colby, if you're listening, to for coming on. You were incredible. And thank you to all my listeners. Um, please, please tell your friends. I, I I really appreciate each and every person that shares this to a broader network. Um, it's what it's all about, and it helps me out so much. If you know anybody that would like to come on, please have them email me at pjlabarbera11 at gmail.com. Um, I, I, I value any person that wants to come on and share their story, whether they be coaches, athletes, or athletic administrators, anybody having to do with it and seeing it on a day-to-day -day basis having their own experiences with it are, are more than welcome and very highly valued. Um, if you like this episode, please consider subscribing. Um, other than that, or otherwise, I will see you next week. Um, thank you so much. Mind matters.